Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to 25 years presents werewolf. And of course we're going to uh Nuisha, the first edition Nuisha of the were coyotes as we uh, are kind of getting into these here. And of course, uh, well, I should say, of course we got a change of changing of the guard here for a moment. We got here, Brennan. How you doing, Brennan? Hey folks, I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Bob? Not just Requiem. Um, teasing, mm-hmm. teasing. I do other things. There are other stuff. Things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, what we got going on here is that uh, the Nuisha book in and of itself has to be one of the oddest egged books I've read in a while because it's cheeky. You can get lost in its presentation here for a little bit. But it's 77 pages of good stuff. I'm going to let that sink in because this is one of the lower end books that we're typically used to having to dive through and kind of go into, right? But I digress. Um, what did you think of the comic, Brennan? The the tone struck me off guard at first, right? Like I'm uh, in. I was on the book for like the Get of Fenris, right? With that that awesome World War II like pulp action comic. So it really shouldn't have like hit me on the uh, got me on the back heel like it did. I wasn't really expecting a weird Western coyote tale out of here <laughs> about this. Like, uh, he <laughs> he does nothing but laugh. For like how many pages is it? It's like seven pages as he's like doing Roadrunner-esque antics in the Old West fighting against the worm and these Bane spirits. For The strangest part to me was the opening. So put this, put this in perspective. For those of you who have experienced racism, there are certain things you learn and you're taught early in life. That there's certain folks you go... Like especially... When you know it's open racism, right? Hopefully, unlike mm-hmm. the last generation has to experience that, but judging from certain events, sadly, no. But what I'm pointing out to you is that in this book, he's on the rail. He's he's, he's going to get on a train. He's where you get mm-hmm. on a train, the train station. But this is the Old West, and in the middle of, apparently, um, Native Americans killing soldiers and vice versa, right? This is what they intimate, and it's kind of part and parcel of what the Wild West had going on in it. And at least that's what they want to focus on. And so when you have the focal point character here, the main character kind of kicking back knowing this, it's like he's you you want to say, oh, those guys who are being racist must be worm tainted. They're they're not. They're just normal folks at that time period. They're just shitheads mm-hmm. at the at the at the wrong time. Which is like, what I meant by that, which is exactly what I meant by that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I realized what I said later is like, oh, this might seem bad. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but when they approach him, you know, it was pretty interesting because I think that was the most Nuisha thing I saw in that comic was where when he was approached, you know, of course, it's there's some trickery involved and the trickery is he keeps telling the guy, well, he's egging the guy on. He's trying to piss him off. Like, you're going to be a mm-hmm. racist. Well, how far are you going to go with this? Oh, you're willing to kill me because I want to ride a train. And that's the attitude he has. Well, we're going to see how far you're going to go. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to see how your smiling ass feels when I throw you under a train. He's cracking wise the entire time. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets, you know, goes to throw him off the tracks, of course, 
The Nuisha hangs on to him and falls off, but then sidesteps. As the train runs him over, and they assume that the Native American was exploded with the train along with it, and that was that. And then later on, he's on top of the train to handle what we would know as the welcome to werewolf part. Here's now where mm-hmm. things get weird and spiritual and whatever. But I was, oh man, I don't want to be the king of pointing out things that don't make sense. But because we've reviewed it already, we went in deep regarding how possession works for Banes. Mm-hmm. How'd you feel about that in the comic? Like when they just took leisure to say, you can fly through a mortal and just possess them instantly and physically manifest. I uh, I, I picked up on that too. Uh, I w- it was it was something I ended up just saying. All right, it fits this story, right? I am okay with them taking like artistic license for this story because this isn't something that's being played out. Where like we have multiple people here that have made characters and are trying to like resolve conflicts, so we have to do that evenly. And the second part that made that bitter pill look uh, easier to swallow was uh. This is a story being told by a coyote. And right, but that's something you don't get immediately. Right now, mm-hmm. here's here's the thing though, for people who like to point out details like that, which is anybody in entertainment ever, we who watch entertainment get to pick apart the entertainment. That's kind of part of the territory, which is why for those easily offended in the industry of, of being a creative, calm down. Uh, but when you look at the term bane possession, why it took such a staunch opposition of it, there's a child on that train. That gets possessed rather easily. And there's always been a sliding scale that's been just kind of handed license across the world of darkness. And it's this. The more innocent you are, the harder you are to corrupt. Because you're not old enough to make the sin uh, viable to possess you. You're, you're, you don't have the guilt. You don't have the worry. You don't have the concern. You don't have the, the greed. You don't mm-hmm. have these, these key things that make you a shittier person in place to make you viable to uh, possession. But when the child's taken that easily and, and how they write it, I just sat there and went, well, there are a lot of things I would write, but if I, if I, I do this a lot, if I had to run a game or be not even run a game, if someone was running a game for me and this is what got presented is how quick it was and how that is. I suddenly had to be very forgiving of games where I was at that and didn't enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, th- yeah, because yeah, I there's, there's, there's the dramatic kick that you need in terms of possession. People forget that a Bane is a spirit, right? It's not a mutant. It's a spirit. What's the difference? A mutant's tangible. In theory, I could bite someone else to transmit a virus that could mm-hmm. force them to mutate and they become another thing. No one's got any complaints. But when it's a spirit, there's supposed to be rules and held to rules to make it make sense. Or something being done that justifies a rapid uh, descent mm-hmm. that make it happen. Now, I don't know, because to me, the comic doesn't set anything up, doesn't describe anything, except that there's a tunnel in the sky that opens up, and here come all, a train of Banes come through, and there are too many Banes. Nobody's going to be left untouched by these Banes that come in, and of course, the new is there to try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I suddenly didn't care how he handled it until, right? I made this joke, sitting with my bro, I'm at his house right now, we're chilling, I'm talking about Nuishi, he happens to love him. I remind him of that comic and he starts <laughs> chuckling and it's like easily he gets it. He goes, so you two, two problems knowing you it's the, it's the Bane possession. I was like, number one, he goes, all right. Um, I kind of agree with you there, but I just overlooked it. Like you can't uh-huh. change it. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. He goes, number two is a coyote. I was like, you damn right. It's coyote. You damn right. It is. <laughs> it's the very fact that this guy's running around going, I don't know a train's coming. What are we going to do? Hopefully I can, I can open up something. Maybe Coyote gives me the power to do. I know what we'll do. 
and take a tonnage steel train and suck it into the Umbra to then ride the train to Malpheus as they mm-hmm. show it. He might as well be on top of it, straddled like a missile with the with the cowboy hat, just yeehaw, right? Um, and I sat there and said, this is going to be the goofiest book we have yet to look into. And then my bro looks at me with that twinkle in his eye. I just know to shit him. And he goes, you're welcome. <laughs> I was like, what? And he's like, Dre Reed. And he just goes upstairs. So, now understand, understand, I was forced to read this book a long time ago because I let him play Anuisha in live action. But I did what I classically do with him. I learned werewolf from him. He was a mentor for me. I know he knows what he's doing. Therefore, I did the dumbest thing an ST can do in that situation. I don't check the sheet. I trust you. Yes, that look you did. Uh, Frenchering no. immediately kicked his head from straight to the side like, oh, bless your heart. That's exactly uh-huh. what he did. And yeah, yeah, it's because they know all the fucking tricks. They're not necessarily going to power game. They're not going <laughs> to min-max it, but they're going to know how to make it. Now, now, why did he do that, that twinkle in his eye? Well, that's because the comic actually does successfully encapsulate all that the new issue is. You've hit one, run in the head, Brennan. You said, well, it's... It's goofy because it's well, it's new issue, right? It's a new issue mm-hmm. comic, and it's their perspective. That's number one. Number two, why was he laughing the entire time when the guy was being obviously racist? Because to a to anybody with intellect, with anybody who's a human being, you would laugh at racism. You just would. Your biggest issue is someone has a different skin color. Are you serious? That's a laughable <laughs> thing. Like, don't we get over that when we're little kids, like age two? Why are you different? I don't know because I am. And to Coyote, the kids get it. To an wish the kids understand immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's just because my skin's different. Nah, all right, well, you, you want to be Batman or Robin this time around. I'm Superman. Well, that's cheating, but okay, let's do this. Right? <laughs> that's kind of that's how you do it. And that's how they look at it. And they do that quickly in a comic. But then they go, what happens when you cross the line with a Nuisha? Now we're going to be violent. Now, the Nuisha doesn't tear him apart. And the way he's acting, he's basically saying, well, just how blind are you going to be? Right? It's not good enough you're a racist asshole. Now you're going to be this aggressive, violent bully on top of it. You just can't let it go. You're going to kill me. Oh, you're going to kill me, Dale. Oh, no. What am I going to do when you're dead? No, you're going to die. Maybe not. And takes him off the ledge in front of a train. Of all the ways he could have handled it, hit him, start beating on him, do whatever. He goes, nope, I'm throwing you in front of a train. This psychopath is, you're the common? Mm-hmm. I start thinking of the town and saying it. I'm like, it's World of Darkness. Wow. Like, wow. These psychos are just walking around. What do they do to people who are late to church? Uh, well, it is not just gossip. I will tell you that. <laughs> um, I probably don't even want to go that way. I don't, I don't even know what a... <laughs> now I'm just thinking right. of a coyote attention, uh, attending the uh, Sunday morning church service. I, um, I'm pretty sure that would not go well. But, uh, <laughs> well, they're going to need someone else to go there because Cletus is not making his weekly donations anymore. But this opened up, exactly, but this opened up your eyes to the fact that this is apparently a theme here. It's rolling with the punches and writing out consequences seem to be the two themes that the Numisha are trying to teach everybody mm-hmm. in the world of darkness here, right? That the coyote is the father that is doing this as well, and we'll get to that here in a second. But it's two quotes that really open this book up that, that I knew I was screwed. One is from Bugs Bunny. That's My right. My favorite. My Warner Brothers one. cartoons. What's that quote, Brennan? You got it in front of you? <laughs> I've memorized it by heart. Don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out of it alive. Bugs Bunny. My what does favorite that mean? quote. 
favorite quote of any of these words. Where's your favorite quote? I'll ask you. What does it mean? Man, you think I have answers? I just love it because it's ridiculous. I'm I'm kind of kidding, somewhat kidding. Uh, if you take too li- if you take life too seriously, like what's 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 going to be the point? Because you're going to die anyway, right? You're gonna you have to enjoy your time here while it's here. Otherwise, what are you doing? You're you're exactly right. This is about missing opportunities because you're so hyper focused that something that will not change, that is not different, is simply going to be the way it is. It is not saying that you can't work to change things to be better or anything like that. It's saying if your nose to grindstone and effort isn't getting it done, well, then you change the effort or you walk away from it. You let it go. However you want to spend your time in life is your call. But since you're going to die in the end, maybe you switch to stuff that isn't going to, you know, that is going to change versus that which is not. And that's another way to look at it. I've heard a lot of people say, and uh, when I was looking this up, even on the internet, that said it just means don't be serious. Life is a joke. It's the cosmic laugh, and then suddenly you're dead. And I was like, right. Uh, but I feel like that's a little too extreme. That's a little too nihilistic. Like there, it's not. It's not like one or the other, right? There's a sliding scale for this. Is I it feel, uh, yeah. I feel like you can take that far too, because if you're just like, well, life's a joke, and you're gonna die anyway, so what's the fucking point? Then like you're not. You're missing the point of that quote. Like you're not. You you should be able to enjoy things you shouldn't be everything like nailed to the grindstone ignore everything but like making money or whatever my focus is right now maybe you're not a money focused individual right but something like that their life is full of like wonderful awesome things we started making podcasts about the things we enjoy i feel like this is a good example (laughs) well what i'm gonna tell you is i don't know if that's a good example but i don't know that it's not Mm Hmm. This is the very point of this quote, period, and them targeting it and targeting it for Nuisha. Nuisha teach. They teach by not teaching. That's what this quote does. Do don't take life too seriously, you'll never get out alive. That's teaching without teaching. What does it mean to you? Is the point. My words don't matter. It's your perception of that quote and what you take from it that's going to be the only lesson you learn. Hopefully it's the right one. By the way. I won't dwell on it beyond that because that's the Nuisha way. Coyote smiles on me this day. Second <laughs> quote we have here from uh, Hanuman. And this is interesting. And I thought this for certain reminded me of a lot here. It says a monkey chases everything, but never catches it because he is instantly distracted by another thing. Always the joy of running and leaping and never the awful clutter of possessions no longer desired. Does that open up that simple Bugs Bunny quote a little bit more? Because I felt one was the beginning and the other was more defined. Yeah, I think it did. I think it does. Right. The uh, the the monkey always chasing. It, it starts out kind of like it switches at the end, right? The monkey chases but never attains. You think, oh, well, the monkey's constantly distracted. That's why he's not happy. Turns out, wrong, motherfucker. He is happy. That's the fucking point. He doesn't need all this stuff. There you go. That's the reason. Why is he happy? He's curious and will chase anything that seems fun, but at the same time, why make it a possession? Mm-hmm. It was fun because you were chasing it. So let it be what it is. To me, it's a lesson that you enjoy people and things for who they are, not for what you make them when you own them. This is why you should never possess a thing. You mm-hmm. can't possess any single person, no matter who you are or what the circumstance is. 
people will always be themselves, even if they deny it to themselves as well. That also can be entertaining to watch, depending on who you are. Certainly to a Nuisha who's standing around trying to help somebody understand who they are by doing the various methodology that we'll get into. Um, but these two quotes open up this whole book and they make you rethink that comic. You'll because this is where that's what happened to me. I read these two quotes and I went back, wait a second, let me look at this comic in the proper way they had it. Is it messed up? Even if the writers didn't intend to do it that way, and maybe it was rushed, I've heard a lot about this book. Mm-hmm. I, I have a very interesting werewolf mentor that helped me look at this in a different light, even though I've read this book twice before. Now, when I've said this before, when you read a book and you have to use it in a game because someone's playing a character, you do not read to define, period. You're looking for the powers, rules, and you're never going to get to their culture, so you throw it to the side, and you don't mm. care about their origin because they'll roleplay it out, so we'll just leave that be. And then i got to make a plot with that in there, right? That's typically how you'll handle a book like this, especially if you're playing a werewolf game, because an all-Nuisha game would be fine, I guess. They're not meant to be a huge pack of them running around doing anything. They are meant to be a single play. Mm -hmm. That's a unique thing about this book. An entire book meant for someone to play a single casted role to do a specific thing. And that's not heard of, right? Even the Bastet, they had a culture where they could uh, talk to one another. They just, it was territory, right? That's why they're separate. They're too cool. It's all being one thing. (laughs) Unless, unless it was a pride and then, okay, we can hang out now because now we're all my cool or level of cool we agreed we are. Whereas a Nuisha, you will never know if a Nuisha dances amongst you with smiling eyes and giggling secrets. That's how they are. This makes it the most frustrating character period I've read yet in all of the world of darkness. <laughs> so frustrating. Why, though? Well, the introduction is from an in-character perspective, and the narrator is one called Loki laughs too much. Already, people who are sick to death of Norse this and all that and helmeted people storming the capital and all this other nonsense, you probably don't want to hear another Norse anything. However, mm. Loki is the great trickster. Keep that in mind, mm. right? Um, if you ask Anuisha, it's just one of the many names of father. That's how we're going to see that. Don't look at it too much. That's But this is Loki laughs too much. Well, this doesn't say who this person is. Yeah. Someone else might be named Loki, but they're probably Coyote, too. <laughs> Wait a second. Everybody named Loki is Coyote? Of course it's they coyote are. It's Coyote all the way down, Bob. Right. And then they'll ask another question, right? It'd be like, well, is every Coyote Coyote? Yeah. Well, then every Loki's Coyote as well. Uh, my mind's already hurting with this. Yeah, absolutely. That's the point. It's like, seriously, <laughs> you got stuck on a name? Like all that you could have asked me, you're stuck on a name and that's what it did. Right. And so you start, it starts making you open your mind and think more uh, about what you have to enjoy it better. That's what I enjoy about this. Right. And even the narrator has the the most entertaining story that we're going to share here regarding creation. We'll do it. We'll do it bit by bit here. Definitely talk through it. But the, it's so enjoyable because it's so simplified, but let's understand this, uh, this background concept. Basically, Coyote is the father, period. And as Loki cautions, his temper is a thousand times worse than any natural disaster because he makes you the target of his jokes. <laughs> Coyote's jokes are deadly. It's twisted, right? Look back to the joke that was pulled on the racist. 
wait, Bob, he died. He certainly did. Yeah, but- he, he died horribly. There is no open casket funeral for that man. Can't be. Right? It's, it's over and out. Why is it so deadly, though? Well, you got to remember, Coyote gives you enough rope. That's the point. He gives you the rope and room to hang yourself with. That's really, and if you don't get that analogy, it basically says, you could have said the most pointed stuff with the least amount of words and we would have got your point, but you wanted to go on soliloquies and segues and 3,000 other words to add to your story just to get there. Now, unless you were trying to be entertaining, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, um, basically, you're missing the ship. See what I did there? Long one away, and then I used an analogy <laughs> on top of it to accentuate. Man, I'm so coyote today. It's so good. Anyway, but that's kind of the, yes, topical. That's kind of the point, right? That's what happens. But no one's ever going to die because you get tired of hearing my long-winded attempts to make something work, right? That's not going to happen. However, Anuisha might do something where you would inadvertently cause tragedy or harm, whether to you or others, because at that point, Coyote wouldn't see it as Coyote did it. You did it to you. That's that's sort of the joke, right? That's also part of it as well. Now, if this seems a little close to home, if you like Ragabash Auspice for Werewolf, that's because it is. This is precisely why the Coyote have a cool phrase for that. They say that uh, if you were born under the Auspice of Ragabash, that's because Coyote smiled when you were born. <laughs> what is the moon phase for Ragabash? Do you remember? Is it like the the is it one of the crescents? Um, believe it is no moon. Am I right? No, no, do that. No, no moon is 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 the we know full moon, right? I know no moon. I know the gibbous moon. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Man, look it up. I think I think you're gonna be the answer for your own there. My brain did not memorize the moon phase for Ragabash. I I I don't either. (laughs) Why why I have a sinking suspicion I'm correct is because um uh new moon because because trickery is there. It's the new moon. Yes, okay. which is the the no moon. You were right. Yes, I so, told you you were wrong, and I was wrong. It's it's okay. It's that thing is. You know what? Coyote appreciates that, <laughs> right? It's okay to be wrong when you're Coyote. This is the okay to be wrong podcast anyway. Oh, but at this point, <laughs> only for this one though. Only All for right. Nuisha. Anyone else? You know, we're gonna have to settle the mm. slings and arrows of everyone on the internet. But um, the point here is that the Ragabash Auspice was designed for two modes. And you guys will catch on to it. Their gifts pretty much speak to what they do. The Ragabash is meant to deceive, infiltrate, and assassinate. Mm. But the wolves are too serious. Right? They take themselves way too serious, according to the coyote. You know, because, by the way, by that infiltrate, assassinate, let me give you the second part. I said there are two, and I really only enlisted one. The second one is, is to be tricksters to teach. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's basically getting you to see yourself and the mistakes you make, but then teach you the appropriate way. Not full-on teach, although sometimes I suppose you could do that, but they're supposed to use methodologies, different ways to think outside of the box to help you be more creative to figure things out on your own. Right, A creative mind is always better to think in their feet to handle an option instead of somebody who comes to you with a, a learned response from rote. And that's kind of the point. But if the Ragabash is supposed to be great at that, the Coyotes invented what the Ragabash do. And if you're me, you're already grinding your teeth to the bloody gums. Because <laughs> what this book is saying is that your right to play pranks, your right to be goofy and aloof and trickery and all that is approved if you're Nuisha. All those are tricks in a bag. You just need to have a point. By the way, you don't even have to know what the point is when you start doing it. 
just that whatever you do ends up having a point. <laughs> you just figure it out as you go along, baby. That's exactly <laughs> that exact tone you just took is like to me. That's what I look for now is someone to walk up and just kind of be like, well, the building blew up. Well, I guess it proves that something was faulty in your gas line. <laughs> Stop cutting taxes. Better infrastructure. You're welcome. <laughs> That's supposed to work in a Nuisha way. I guess it does. Um, but then I remember that they're better solitary and that there's only one of them. Right. Thank Gaia. Right, there's only one in a group. I should say, not one on the planet, but one in a right. group. Like, like there's, you know, ideally you're not going to have like more than one uh, bouncing around unless that's plot or whatever. Interesting, it does that though. But if they're harmless tricksters, not harmless by the way, it's just the image they cultivate. Mm-hmm. Then, what possible origin could these chuckleheads have? Now, we're going to do this a little differently, Brentron. I'm going to give you the the origin. Mm-hmm. I want you to interject when this is goes. This flies in the face of werewolves here. Okay. Right? Okay. <clears throat> we'll start at the beginning. As Loki says, Coyote was the first. Okay, period. pause. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. We're already there? All yeah, right. I think we're already there. I think All we're right. already there. Um, right, well, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, as he puts it, in the beginning, there was Coyote. <laughs> and nothing else matters. Oh, okay. If that's right. how we're seeing it, uh... oh no no no! It's how he said it. He said in the beginning there was Coyote. Period. The first of anything. There was nothing before him, and Coyote will admit to you he got bored. Coyote mm-hmm. was chilling. He's bored, and he says, "I like people to talk to, so or someone to talk to." So he made ducks. Mm-hmm. Ducks were the first, <laughs> right? He sung a song, and ducks were there. Now he could just chat with ducks all morning, right? That's what he does. Well, what do ducks do in the morning? Flying across the pond where they're talking. Coyote can talk back. It's cool. He likes hearing what they got to say. And he says, you know what? I don't want to be the only one singing songs, so I'll just make water. And he created water. Because that way water can sing to him. Mm-hmm. Ducks were right? happy. They had something to, to swim through. It, did, it worked out pretty good. Ah, so you do admit Coyote is wise. And he was the first. I like this already. <laughs> now, Coyote decided to sing along with water because, you know, at this point, we got ducks, we got water. Hey, let's just uh, sing the rest of everything else in existence at one time. And he he did it up. He got, like, Skrillex and started mixing songs into songs. It house beats into different things. You know, like, instead of just one long house, like, ah, 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 brought in the auto-tune and had that that auto-tune howl going on and had all sorts of things and ended up with the platypus. I did catch that. I, I enjoyed that immensely <laughs> right like that's the next animal he mentions because when he gets platypus even that stopped the duisha he's like yeah coyote really you know look we know how he did it it was one half of this and you know the, he already did a duck so you got a bill but why the flip we don't know and then platypus is here and that's when coyote knew he was out of line right he knew maybe he had crossed something but you know what don't don't dwell on it just move on it's there hey welcome platypus right that's how he puts it I can't stop laughing because it's like everything else is there. Like even the land, bro, not just the land, the planets, space, stars, everything. He's saying everything there. And that, that's how it went. Now, when it comes to Celestine relationships, maybe, maybe this becomes something we're used to hearing, right? Let's look at that. Like we understand it's maybe how creation happened, but what about the relationship with Luna? Well, we should probably describe this in more intimate detail. If he'd made everything else, for reasons never said, planet Earth's chosen. Gaia's chosen. Mm-hmm. We live, or sorry, 
the Earth Mother's Chosen, says Nuisha would say. Because she's not the she's not a focal she's not a goddess. She's not the focal point for you to worship and obsess on and oh, I'm gonna kill everybody who's not eh, why? There's so much to the Nuisha, there's so much else in existence. This is one planet, bro. Like there's a whole spiritual thing. Man, you're gonna blow your mind when you learn you can go to other places, little werewolf. Like we're gonna you know, <laughs> that's basically what the Nuisha are saying. All these guys with all these power you know, I'm getting ahead of the story. So when he has this earth that he's hanging out, and he's not even really on the earth, like he visited, that's where he put some animals, and he looks up and Luna's like, hey man, what about me? Aren't I, aren't I worth attention? You made everything away from me. Now I'm so lonely. And Coyote's like, well, what my goal? But I guess I, uh, I'll promise to sing to you every night to keep you company. How's that sound? That way you have my beautiful songs to keep you where you're at. I know you're the most beautiful. They're all going to look up and see you're the most beautiful, so it's totally cool. Which, we'll call this the Grand Coyote. He's also the King of Excuses. And of course, Luna wasn't happy with that. She's still quite unhappy. She goes, what about during the day when the night is gone? And already, I'm annoyed with Luna, right? Uh-huh. It's not... <laughs> you're like, Luna, of- like, come on. Come on now. This ain't all about you. Everybody has to see her. She's everywhere. You can't ignore her. Luna's a focal point of existence for everything in creation here. At least on, on, on the Earth Mother, if nothing else. And she's like, well, the sun gets all the attention. All right, all right. And Coyote goes, look, I left you the sun to keep you warm. That's all I can do, lady. The sun keeps you comfy during the day. I'm Coyote. I got things to do at night. I'm over here. I'm over there. I don't hang out, okay? That's all, That's it. And he washes his paws of it and walks off. Like, Luda, deal. <laughs> that's it. That's what he does. He's like, he's like, I gotta go. I know this wasn't for you, but it's right for me. And uh, you're welcome. Right? It reminds me, what is that song? What can I say but you're welcome? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just the demigod. Right? They do the crock thing. I, I honestly think Coyote is that. Like, I can't get that tune out of my head when I'm hearing Loki talks too much go through this, right? Um, he talks too much. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> he can be me. Right? That's why I say it. But anyway. Um, but then it falls to the fact that, all right, after you get all that done, said so that this is the reason... The reason the moon changes is the story they're trying to tell. And when I got there, my jaw hit the floor. It was so well done. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going through going, this is all so different. Like, the Earth isn't the focus, and Luna's not the focus, and here's this, and she's there. Luna had an issue, there's the sun, and blah, blah, blah. But by the way, this is why you have the different phases of the moon. Because when Coyote walked away, Luna wasn't happy. She just had to accept it, because that's the way it is. So some nights, she smiles happily on everybody, and it's the full moon. Because she's happy with things, and other nights she's angry and turns her face away because it's she, she's not happy, and so nobody gets her face. But that's when Coyote smiles, smiles down on people because it's mm-hmm. the no moon, yep. and that's where it goes. And he could be there. And there's there's a lesson here. The lesson is is that she was too vain, right? You never once heard the Earth Goddess say you all owe me fealty and you need to pay me my respects and all that. That doesn't get said in the story here. It's Luna who has the vanity. And that was a very rare take, I feel, because typically Luna doesn't have that much personality and dejected in who she is. Mm-hmm. Right? Or at least the, the feminine identity they give her. What do you think about that? Did you get any more insights from her? Did you just like... <laughs> no, I picked up on that too, right? Because in like, uh, certainly I think the Silver Fangs have a bigger veneration for Luna. All, all Guru do, right? Um, so to see one that's almost... not outright mocking but definitely not putting her in a, a great light or a source of reverence it 
put me on the back foot uh, a little bit, but then I had to, I, I remembered, oh yeah, this is the Noesha book. They're not going to do that for anything except Coyote. Right. It's <laughs> o- only Coyote all day, this whole podcast, right? That's uh-huh. it. <laughs> he was the first. Well, they go back to creation, right? Because where that's the stars, and apparently, apparently Duck is a holy totem. I was in the live action game where he was there, so I'm going to treat that as gospel. Um, Duck is a totem? Okay, I'm going to look at up later. Platypus of was course. a totem. Yeah, um, they're right up there with Piggy Billa. Right, Piggy Billa. That's, you're exactly where I was going to go with that. <laughs> if you want Platypus's other name, it's Piggy Billa. Just go ahead and check him out. It's another one of why. Why? And he's a war totem. Piggy Billa's so good. He is. He's anyway. so good. <laughs> anyway, when he gets on, they go, well, what about the humans? Where did the humans come from? Well, part of the story I left out is that when Coyote made everything else, that includes monsters. Now, before you say humans are monsters, Coyote never says that they're monsters, right? Not at all. But they were made from the remains of monsters. Right? So that's uh, that's the reason that humans keep monsters close to their heart and monstrous acts. Like, Coyote accepts, or excuse me, Nuisha accepts, and I guess therefore Coyote. I'm just going to say that. Coyote is a Celestine and, you know, well, the mm-hmm. father source of all. But the um, Nuisha themselves accept mankind for what mankind is. Mankind is supposed to be a bigoted racist thing at some parts because it has many faces, right? Many aspects. It does have a swinging emotion because all people have swinging emotions. That's the point. You were made that way. But they had the fact that greed is something that humans don't vary on. That we Across all have, the board. yeah, that we all have a form of greed somewhere, and that most of our problems extend from this greed because it leads to what? If I'm greedy, what do I not want to do? Uh, you're not you're not sharing, right? That you're taking more than is your fill, thus hurting your community, your environment, and those around you. I'm possessing things. I won't let go of things. Um, if you have something more valuable than mine, I want it. I want to mm-hmm. take from you. This is what it does, and this is the green-eyed monster, and this is where this leads to. And But don't worry, Nuisha didn't call mankind monsters, because there are some good people. It's just they come from monsters. And that language is very important, because if I'm not accusing you of being a monster, it means I know you have leeway to be just a human. Mm. But your actions will tell the tale as time goes on, and when you reveal yourself to be a monster, I am not shocked. Right, as Nuisha, we knew it was there somewhere. And we were just waiting for it to happen. Now, because of this, the animals go to to Coyote and they're like, Father Coyote, like, look at the humans. They suck. (laughs) These people are greedy. They're garbage people. This is nonsense. These are not the animals that were meant to get along with us. And Coyote goes, what do you think Coyote said? Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he repeated the same message he said to Luna, which was something along the lines of, uh, deal with it. That's exactly right. (laughs) He said, he said, not only deal with it, he goes, yeah, you're right, but I already made them, and they're here, so you know? What can I say? You gotta write out, you gotta write out the consequences. Right? You gotta write out the consequences, that's absolutely right. By the way, you didn't do it to have consequences, so he is actually going, well, they're your consequences. Those are yours. <laughs> right? I did the act, but those are your consequences. Like, I ordered the food, but you gotta pay for it. But hey, you get to eat the meal, too. I'm not even hungry. 
you're welcome. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Right. Just keep that in your head as you read this. Right. Because he doesn't stop there. Because once he says it, all the animals go, he's not going to take. All right. Wolf walks up and goes, look, uh, Coyote, I'm taking these humans. I'm going to teach them to be strong and to respect the world because you're not going to do it. Coyote's like, you're right. I'm not. See you later. <laughs> and Wolf walks off. Right. But then naturally, Cat looks is like, meow, jealous, right? And it, and, and Cat walks over and he takes humans and said, well, I'm going to teach them to be independent. Because that's what Wolf's not going to teach him. Cat goes, you're right. Neither am I. Later. <laughs> right? Walks off. Shark. Shark is one of my favorite, actually. Shark basically said, I'm going to take humans to teach them how to swim so they can't harm the land. Uh, it's It's impeccable logic. I, I can't the shark shark uh, shark's number two. Uh, that's that's Brintron Cannon right now. Shark is number two. Absolutely. Uh, bear took humans to teach them to love the earth and to help bear keep the earth long and healthy in times of need. Hmm. Yeah, we fucked that up. But anyway, yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> but then Raven, Raven was like, aha, aha, I'll take humans so they can fly high in the sky, watch from above and warn others from danger. We yeah. screwed that up too. Uh, um, yeah, because look, Raven, you can't blame Raven for that. No one thought humanity would turn into Heisenberg. I am the danger. <laughs> I am what I'm supposed to warn you from. <laughs> well, we'll finish it out. Rat takes humans, doesn't say a thing. And Noisha looks at the little young, uh, young character he's teaching and goes, and that's because Rat's secretive. Sure are. They like secrets, Rat does. Basically pointing out Loki doesn't know shit from Shinola about what rat anything is supposed to be. <laughs> Just look, man. That's what they do. They're there and they're not. So we're moving on. However, <laughs> Lizard took humans to learn what is forgotten in the world and to remind others when needed. Here's something that I applauded them for in this story. Snake took humans to teach them to live as the snake. However, that's about all he could say. Coyote literally doesn't know anything of the Naga. Right, if you haven't caught on by now, they're basically assigning the main animals for all the changing breed. Mm-hmm. But it's important in the story that we hear them all because they all have a reason and purpose, and Coyote knows them all. However, they're telling you them for a reason. These are technically their secrets, and they weren't supposed to tell you what they were there for, but Coyote knows them. When he gets to the Naga, though, he basically makes up a story. He says, Snake shows up and says, I'm going to teach you to crawl, swim in the water, kind of live in the ground, do things, bite stuff. I'm going to teach you to be a snake. You want to roll well, up into a ball? I can teach you how to roll up into a ball. Right, but if you look at that, you can even look at Shark, who says, I'm going to teach humans how to swim so that they learn not to harm the animals of the land. Shark's purpose is to defend the land. What's Snake's purpose, then? Like, if you take humans, what, what do you do, Snake? Psst! Coyote doesn't know a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Why applaud it? Nobody knows about the Naga. Nobody has a definitive, like, this is why the Naga are, because they're designed that way, right? They're the judge. Set. We'll get to them. They're really cool. Um, but rarely played, much like the Nuisha in that regard. Taylor made assassins and judges, if that doesn't pique your interest. But um, they were Asimites before Asimites were cool. That's that's how I see the <laughs> Naga, right? That's, that's it. Um, but I, I, dig- I digress here. Spider is by far steals the show. Because Spider walks up and she goes, I'm going to take the rest of them. Right? Which is the major- the rest of mankind. Everybody got a little piece. Spider comes over and says, all are mine. They will learn the glories of building a fine web, which is another word for what? A fine web? We'll roll the rest of it. Keep that in mind. Um, 
They will learn the glories of building a fine web and the beauty of properly snaring their prey. They will taste the blood of their enemies and learn to protect the crops of other humans from the insects that would destroy them. Yo, when did Spider become Crom? Well, not Crom. They will learn the glory of building. This is building, right? A fine web. Mm-hmm. We're talking cities. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what that secret is. And the beauty of properly snaring their prey. That's the part that becomes very interesting. Right? Because we why? know why a spider wants to snare prey. Up. Well, because tribes covet, do they not? Mm. Amongst humans, you shouldn't see humans as prey. Coyote hints here that we were taught to see how that is. Like, spiders' ways were to spot where you would have prey. In the spider kingdom, if you get caught in a web, you're prey. It's that simple. That That's really it. If you look at the idea of conquest, that's all of history. Whenever we've gotten large enough and powerful enough to conquest, why do we take from our neighbor when we don't need to? Why do we want to march forward and just subjugate people into our way of life and all this stuff? Why do we do that? Well, remember, we're made from monsters. That greed is there. That's the material that Spider's working with. And since Spider's basically a monster itself, she's at least going to teach you how to build a city to where your prey has to walk into your city to become trapped. And you have to learn how to do that, to snare your prey when they're there. That way, your meals are there. You're not leaving to find them. They come to you in that aspect. And kind of failed in that. Well, she didn't fail in the aspect. We learned to grow cities and just took more territory is what it is. And uh, But anyway, taste the blood of their enemies to me was just another analogy for learning how to enjoy the fruits of your labor. We certainly know that. You can look at Rome to learn we landed that lesson in one. You can look at America. Us too. Um, many cereals. Let's just say a lot of them kind of similar. You don't know. Uh, we won't go there. But the point is, there are a lot of tasty things that we don't necessarily need all of them on. Just to give an analogy. You could probably think of it. I'll, I'll give you this. Don't you feel there's already too much energy drink? Uh, I did. That's why I stopped drinking rain. It was uh, it was becoming quite a problem. <laughs> right. If it wasn't rain, it was amp. If it wasn't amp, it was Red Bull. If it wasn't Red Bull, I got another one. If it wasn't oh, you're that- talking about like the option. Yeah, I don't. I don't even look at it. I don't. I like whenever I pass that section in the grocery store now. It's uh, it's too many options. So I make That's- none. <laughs> <laughs> but what we're talking about is that when you have the base structures of meals and what you need, it's okay to have variety from that stuff. But when you're mm-hmm. so far as you're making them up to do it, in another word, it, well, at least that's what it means to me. Then in that phrase, spiders saying, I'll teach them uh, to, to taste the blood of their enemies. That's another way of doing it. To me, it's another form of conquest over someone else because you're, t- you're making up food. You have so much a surplus of food that you can afford to waste food into making other food that has less food than a preservative you're adding to it, which isn't food either. Does that make sense? We're making things from nothing and calling it food because we have an abundance. Mm. Our variety, our cornucopia runneth over is another mm-hmm. way of looking at it. So we're going to teach you how to uh, basically enjoy that fruit of your labor, which to me is why I feel the blood of their enemies means. Uh, because to a, fi- to a spider enjoyment would be blood. And that's how you do it. And then to learn how to protect the crops of other humans from the insects that would destroy them. That part is insidious. They don't define it, but there's a there's a lesson there, and I haven't cemented 100% what I feel about it because it's such a dark phrase. So, why are we learning to protect the crops of other humans from the insects that would destroy them? Well, you could take it the literal way, right? Locusts are horrible. Um, I took that as like a spider. Spider does really two things. It builds things to last and it expands, right? It is an ever-growing uh, web. 
So that it's not just like actual crops, but it's the other humans that they procreate and make. The way I saw it immediately was this is an argument of the rich. Right? We the rich learn spiders' lessons well. Right? I own vast rice fields in another land. Right? These are other humans' crops. I own them. Now to protect those rice fields, I'm gonna pay for chemicals that are legal where I'm at to use over there regardless because I'm paying for them to be protected. Because I know how to protect my web. And I'm doing that, but I'm destroying uh, the town that that's near. Right? They're drinking water or something like that or whatever. Not This is figurative. And, or, yeah, but just, just, just give an example. But that's how I saw it. It was like another way of subjugating. You're getting wealth and your city's prospering or your web's doing well because I protect the crops that I gave you. Some of you might be enjoying the crops that are there, but definitely majority of you aren't. And it is draining because I'm taking away the land you have that you could have used even for yourself. But those crops belong to you, but I get benefit. That's how I saw them, because I don't want them destroyed. That's the other reason why I learned to protect the crops of other humans. And I said it was dark, because I got caught in this analogy. Because spider, at least to the coyote, is not a nice animal. Mm-mm. Well, one, because it's an insect. But the point is, even spiritually, <laughs> this is this is what it, you know, what it does. Because the rest of the tale unfolds, maybe this fills it out more. Um... The sizable populace, the majority of mankind went to Spider, and therefore humans are the children of Spider. This isn't how they started, because they were human first. Spider takes them and wraps all the humans in her web. And they're stuck there. But do you know what animal's late to the party? Um, Part of me wants to say Bat, because I didn't see him on the list, but I know he's ranking lower on the important scale with this. So is it is it the worm? Absolutely. Right? Yes. The worm itself, it comes it comes wiggling up and the worm's like, Coyote, I didn't get to have my human to nurture and grow. And Coyote goes, Yeah. <laughs> well, it's cause spider took them all. Right immediately he's just like, Well, it's spider's fault. See this web, it's everywhere. See all those people? Those are all her. She took them all, take it up at her. Yeah, but coyote, everybody else got a crack at it. Hey, you're late. And I hate to break it to you, but it's not it's not my fault anymore. It's not my fault anymore. Hey, you guys didn't even want humans here. You're welcome, Worm. No humans for you. Doesn't that mean a good thing? And Worm's <laughs> like, no. I ne- all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Go talk to Spider and see what she says. But I'm, I'm out of it, right? I, I, hey, I didn't take any humans. And so Worm like wiggles over. Hey, Spider says in a soft voice, "Can I, can I get a few humans?" And Spider's like, "Well, here, tell you what." You can have any humans you can remove from the webbing. And mm. Worm's like, oh, kick ass. And Cody goes, hold up a second, jackass. Before you go crawling off to do what you're doing, one time offer here. Well, whenever you want to accept it. But here's an offer. I'll help you deal with this right now. And if you accept that help, great. You'll just owe me later on down the road. What do you say, Worm? I'll help you out. Worm, no, I can do this myself. We're dreaming with a very young worm, if you can't tell. It's a very childlike worm. So I don't want to owe you anything because I'm a big boy and I can handle this. It's like, all right, worm. You said yourself, have fun. And so the worm crawls in the web, kind of curls up humans and gets a whole bunch. But he's not happy with 10 or 20. He goes after many, all that he could get. And the more that worm grabbed in its coils, you know, really, not coils. It's uh, whatever you call that on a worm. Like it's I call little, them coils. Make coils around. We'll go with coils. There's a specific term in worm I learned in biology class, and somewhere there's a teacher screaming his head because it's the one question I did get right in that test. But uh, the <laughs> I can't remember it now. 
Um, but anyway, as the coils around, humans are falling out of the web, but they're not staying in the worm's clutches. And so the worm finally goes, oh, okay, I'm going to leave then because obviously they're falling out. I can't get them, but I'll get those guys when I get there. And the worm goes, eh, eh, oh no, I'm stuck. And Spider's like, yep, sure are. Hey, Spider, will you let me go? Nope, sure won't. That wasn't the deal. I said, you got to free them. Are they free? Well, I got them. Yeah, but they're stuck because you're wrapped around them and you can't move. Oh, and Coyote's like, hey, one time off or I get, no, I'm going to get out of my own. All right. And Coyote ran around and grabbed all the stray humans that fell down. <laughs> all the humans that fell the web. Coyote was like, hey, where are you guys going? Because those humans hit the ground and were like, I am not getting eight and took off. Like they talk about them being like these super sprinters, just running for all they were worth because hell no. It seems that any animal that came to get you, you were being subjugated to be like them. And so these free humans were like just doing the thing. And Coyote eventually catches up to him, right? He wanders around, catches up to him, and he teaches him. And these people become the Nuisha. Mm. Right? But when we think about that whole story, what are the similarities to where if you caught? Uh, there's that, uh, I can't remember what book we, we reviewed that first had that story about the, uh, the spider corrupting, or not corrupting, but trapping the worm and driving him to madness. Um, but this, this, well, it's a coyote tale, right? I, I think I like this rendition the most. It was the worm's greed that led it to getting stuck in the spider's web to begin with. They're both assholes. <laughs> right. Regardless of which story you, you read, this one kind of paints that picture even more. But I, I, I just love Coyote's uh, thing with this or attitude with this because he's like, look, man, I'll help you out, but you got to help me out later. He's like, no, you laughed at me. How <laughs> you dare la- you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I like I'm what a, you s- Yeah. Yeah. I'm going I'm to get out of my own. And here we are today, still thrashing and crying. <laughs> And what's cool about this story, I think uh, a lot a lot of it's cool. You're right. It's the, it's the weaver trapping of the worm in the web. But you never hear why or how. I mean, you just, some folks just say the weaver just did it. Right? It's just a story we know that's what the weaver did, and that, bam, that's that's why it's bad. You never hear it's because the worm uh, reached far past its grasp, right? That's okay. Well, it's a story of greed. Makes sense. I can buy into that. Sounds fantastic. Good story. The other thing it says is that we're all a-holes. Every one of us. There's not a single person who's not. Mankind's made from monsters. We were predisposed to be jerks at some point, to be to be bad. Why? We can really jack up the ecosphere, right? That's what we do. That's just what we do. And by the way, Coyote made us. But in Coyote's eyes, he also made the Earth. So if you're going to jack anything up, might as well be the stuff I put there. That's, that's how he sees it, right? I can't really blame him. Can it's, you? It's a thing, right? It's a thing. It's a eh. Is that right? Well, here's some solace. Because humans were already bad, and then we all know all the animals, powerful animal entities that become shape changers, and all shape changers are jerks, right, by reading it, because they're a bit like slavers. You will become us, right? Yeah. Sure, but why? He already went through why, explained all the reasons. We need to go back to it. But the most important, because this is a werewolf review podcast of them, is that Gaius still has an important focal point, but what did he do? He said the same story that guy is important and Wolf said that they were important because they were the ones to teach mankind the respect for the world. That's the key. The world is the earth, thus Gaia. They were the ones to teach mankind how to be in that regard. And they were going to do it from the werewolf perspective. 
this becomes the focal point of the War of Rage, the reason why the Impergium happened. All this stuff occurs because Wolf took it way too freaking seriously. Mm-hmm. Wolf he, did not... Go ahead. They, he, they didn't listen to Bugs Bunny, man. I don't know what to tell you. They took life too seriously. When you don't pay attention to what all these animal origins are, you're going to miss a huge ship with a lot of werewolves. Because I feel they do this a lot. All the books, if you even go back from this, and you can pick up more deeper meaning, because stop taking it so fanboy. You know, that includes me. Stop taking it from the Feather Moon to Get book. If you're not Get, get out. <laughs> right? If you're not Get, you suck. You need to chuckle a little bit. Look at it. What are they saying? What were the Get Offenders there to do? Well, they honored strength because there was a harsh area they had, and they bonded to the people who learned to live off the land that was in a harsh climate, and they became the people which in turn became the wolf they were. Mm. Their, one, their, their, their cultures and ideologies meshed to become what they were, and therefore, their kinfolk were hardier for it. But they were not the majority of the people who were there, which means the Noetius say flat out, you didn't learn to live with others, did you? <laughs> that was a little hard for you get to pick that up. Like it, it, we're, the world's not big enough, buddy. Sorry. I only had one song for the earth, and I just didn't really give them deep overtones. You don't want me to, because look at the platypus. <laughs> right? When I get belting away and I'm making them CDs, you get the platypus, and no one's ever going to forgive me for that, look especially me. Because the platypus is like a weird mystery animal. Like, why? Right? And, and, and if it's Coyote so doesn't know, what do you know, right? I dig that a lot because it takes away the edge of even playing a werewolf where you're like, if you think about it, she is the Earth Mother. We decided that we were going to guide mankind. Why isn't it that we can just continue to do what we were meant to do and everything will be okay? Right? Or better said, as it was meant to be. So we come back to that question full bore. The Noesha aren't screaming it's an apocalypse at this point. At least not with this story. There's no world-ending part to this. They're just saying things are the way they are because they are. Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, it's it's that idea of, like, this is how it is. Like, we... W- writing out those consequences, right? Even, like, of Coyote not freeing that worm from that web. It's, um... If you can't do anything about it, don't worry about it. They do acknowledge, though, that one day, the worm will get out of the web. Mm-hmm. And the worm's gonna land. And it, it's already bug crazy, right? It's, all, it's already out of its mind, but one day it'll get out of it. But, but how silly is it that all it has to do is ask Coyote for help, and Coyote can help it? It just won't. doesn't want to owe anyone. And man, oh man, is that its problem. However, there's a lot that comes with this in terms of responsibility to roll that ball forward. Um, the fate of the humans that become Coyote and the Nuisha itself they take more of a great, that's a cool, fun story to tell at a party. Get that ball rolling, get those discussions happening. But what do we do from there, right? Now that we know that, how do we communicate what our purpose is? Well, at the end of the story, Loki does something amazing. He says, this story is the truth and the lie, but it's more, but more of it is the truth than the other shapeshifters would admit. It's a powerful punch in the teeth. Mm. of anyone who heard that. It basically says you need to slow down, pump the brakes, and find out what is true and what is a lie. But in that lie, it also teaches you that the truth that you're going around spewing is less than the truth of the lie that I just told. And in that, if you're a fan of Werewolf, you can go back and look at what the Get believe, what the Lieutenant believe, what the Wendigo believe, you know, all that stuff. 
and see that, okay, there are some shocking truths here to what they were supposed to do. First and foremost, that story tells you from that phrase is that the war of rage was not a necessity. It was not a necessity. The fact that the Silver Fangs decided, hey, we got to come together at this, whatever, whatever Great Wolf said we're now going to battle, at least it's as Coyote sees it, they were wrong to do it. Hmm. All the Preach. shifters were right. All the all the shifters were there for a reason. And where did it come out of balance? For some reason, you felt you had to do that. Why was that? Why is it the other shifters didn't band together to oppose the werewolves? Why did they all try to survive it by running and, and battling the werewolves on their own in some cases, and only coming together far too late to make a difference? Well, that answer's simple to Coyote as well. It's because that's what you did. There's that's the lesson there. That's what you did. That's how you got to where you're at. But the important thing is, what are you going to do now? So this, to me, is a lesson a lot of folks can learn from. Are you going to cry about your history the entire time? Exactly how much can you go back in time and change? Anyway. Uh, none. Exactly none. Not an iota. You can just change <laughs> what you do now and what you're going to do. And that's it. If uh, some stargazers could like get out of their like whole Hirano thing, they could probably actually be pretty useful in the nation or the beast courts, wherever they're at now. <laughs> I, f- I forget. They go everywhere. So therefore, Coyote and thus the Nuisha, their point is to be curious and explore and roam around and be these sort of teachers by not teaching. That is the point of this book, is to teach you how to do that. That mm-hmm. is the point of these origins and this story and this story to be used with the comic, I'd add, to spread that very methodology around. Now, this isn't the total of the book by no means, but um, I'm going to finish this out by pointing out um, they're serious by not being serious in order to estimate the true enemy as they are underestimated by the same said enemy. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of inception thinking there, but it's uh the, the I think the book lays that all out like uh, in the beginning that comic even with the the problems that were pointed out right still is a great example of the what it is to be that coyote he the the coyote in the story was underestimated wasn't treated seriously but he was the death of the enemy in that situation and came out on top <clears throat> of a train but still you know on top. It is the, it's the number one thing that you that you got to do. I mean, if that was confusing, that phrase, because it is a good one, and it's mm-hmm. designed to make you think, the very essence of it. Um, another thing is that they point out pretty much free and clear, because even Loki points out, you're lost. Okay, let me tell you what we're meant to do. We are the very <laughs> best pranks, right? Or excuse me, the very best pranks are those that make your opponent think. The very best jokes are those that teach the listeners to hear the truth. You must never stop playing tricks, but you must use them to teach others what you already know. Why they took this stance is because the other part of the story you get much later on in the book is that Loki points out that Coyote didn't stop visiting Luna. And in the course of going to visit Luna and others, um, you go across to see how Spider's doing. There's Spider's web. There's the worm trap still grunting and groaning, being crazy with its tri-headed self and ridiculousness. And still going, you need help? Worm, piss off, right? All right, mm-hmm. we're still stuck. <laughs> but then he noticed that Spider is reaching beyond her grasp. It's now starting to capture, or excuse me, capture the Earth itself. She is not satisfied with that piece of the pie of the worm and the few humans she has. Now she's grasping others, or now Ananasia, I guess you could say, they're not even human anymore. But it's trying to grab further. And 
in the course of grabbing further, Kaori's like, well, that's where I draw the line. So in order to conquer what she's doing with the web, it is to teach others how to break this static way of being. Because the point that Worm had is the why it went in and to free the humans is because all the Weaver's going to do is it's going to teach humans to be static and be exactly one way and think no other way and have no variety whatsoever. And it's going to stifle their what? That wild essence that they had. They're going to stop being that creative or having what they are or what they were meant to be. And so that's why Coyote said, yeah, you can go in, but, you know, caveat, you don't care. All right, I'm over here. <laughs> well, when the Weaver starts doing that to Gaia, to the Earth Mother, he's like, okay, we got to stop this. But the only way we can do this is I got to go around. Oh, this is funny. I have to go around and play teacher. I'm sorry. I said me. You know, we should have to go around and play teacher. <laughs> and then we should like, what again? That's right. You got to go around and pull pranks to make people think. And then you got to pull jokes on those that, that refuse to learn. Basically, you got to teach the listeners, right? To hear the truth you're trying to give them. Well, this is where jokes are deadly comes into play. The same method. Let's say I find a, a Pentex plant or Enron or whatever you want to say to Noesha and it's in existence, it's doing bad stuff and it's oil spillage and whatever. That Noesha is free to use whatever underhanded tactics or ideas it can do to infiltrate, manipulate, be a part of with the goal of somehow teaching someone a lesson in that company. And it doesn't matter who it is or it's multiple people. They could be there quite some time, really, trying to show them the error of their ways to some point. It doesn't matter what it is. That's one of the weirdest, coolest things. It's like they have an eternal goal, and that's to shake things up mm. on purpose, which makes it to where the Nuisha seem to be a function of the wild. Oh, that's something I hadn't considered, but I kind of like that, right? Because they didn't, Coyote didn't mention the wild at this at all, right? Uh, we, we did talk about the spider. We did talk about the worm, but that's something that was absent that I didn't even notice. Did the, I can't even recall, did the best step even mention the wild? Did it go into that? It- um, it they do, they do. They have a different name entirely, but the uh, the but they even still see it as an entity one that encompasses it. Mm-hmm. However, we should don't. Right now, there is now. Here's the thing: it's not it's not even that they don't. Again, lessons within lessons. Right? If you look at what Coyote is and how they say Coyote takes many faces, and it is the trickster. Mm-hmm. Coyote itself is the first face, but then it has many others. It has Loki, um, something like Zaktipoli. Um, there's, um, basically any nation or culture that's come up with a trickster God. That's that too is that too is coyote. Mm. That's why I made that joke in the beginning. Everything's coyote. It's coyote all the way down. Right. Everything's coyote. Cause nothing is coyote except that which coyote says is coyote. Then it's coyote. <laughs> right. That's kind of how it goes. Well, that's also wild energy. In another way, it's saying that we are ever eternally shaping and moving and, and, eternally changing what we are there can be a core element and certainly we started somewhere but we don't stay there because stagnation to the to the noesha is boring so is to energy energy that stagnates ceases to be this seems to be the same function this is why the coyote are curious with the coyote why the noesha are curious (laughs) why they go around pulling pranks and teaching others is because they shake things up they free you from your static one-way thinking to teach lessons that you need to so that you don't become static and thus ensnared by the weaver. The spider. Weaver, right. damn it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. That's the point. And when you look at it that way, you're like, all right, this is kind of dope. Right? I can get behind that. But however, one of the most 
complex shapeshifters to get if you miss this point. That's that's what it is. Um, and with that, what we're going to say is it's going to conclude our part one uh, of the Noesha book, much like I did with Bastet and even the Nosferatu for Requiem. Our part two we're going to release for our patrons that will get more into their society and down to the minutiae detail that, uh, that, that some fans crave and others were happy with the overview. Um, again, it's on our Patreon and check that out. I'm certain Brendan says it here in the beginning to find us and everything else. Um, <laughs> he's chuckling cause like all the time, right? Uh, Brennan brother, I appreciate you being here on me in this and the new trip. It's what it, what we do, man. Yeah. I loved it. I love this book. Everybody. Thanks for listening in. We hope you enjoy it. We certainly love this book and we enjoyed going through it and we're going to, we're going to finish off for everybody too later on. Um, probably within like the next week and a half. Um, thanks everybody. See ya. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and would like to support us, please leave a review or share it with friends. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.